What's up? And welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast, where we chat with Chick-fil-A operators about their secret sauce for leading and positively influencing others. I'm your host, Josh Swing. And my guest today, we have a lot in common. One of those things being young kids. At any given moment, if you ask my kids, what do you want to eat? They would tell you without hesitation, we're going to Chick-fil-A. Even if they just had it yesterday, even if they had it for lunch, they want to go back for dinner. Their go-to is the five count chicken nugget kids meal. It's perfect. The right amount of food, they get full, even with me applying some dad tax to their waffle fries. Well, Michael Harding is the owner operator at Chick-fil-A Cantrell Road in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's joining me today and just like that kid's meal, he's going to bring us a five count of not chicken nuggets, but leadership nuggets. It's gonna be the perfect amount for you to take and apply in your life as a leader. I'm excited to get into it. Let's dive in. I met Michael in a very unique way. I was scrolling on LinkedIn and engaging with some of the LinkedIn audience, and I saw a post coming from Michael Harding about five nuggets of wisdom from over a decade of experience with Chick-fil-A. And I started reading through some of the nuggets and I was like, oh, that one resonates. Oh, that one resonates. That one resonates. And then by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, this content is so good. I have to have Michael on the podcast, Mm -hmm. hit him with a DM. And Michael so graciously accepted my invitation to come on the podcast. Michael, thanks for joining me on the show, man. I love it. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think there's enough operators on LinkedIn. We've talked about this some offline, but there's so much value and such cool stories that come out of posting on LinkedIn. Michael, I know you just kind of got into it, but Mm -hmm. I'd encourage if you're listening and you're not on LinkedIn yet, hop on it, connect with Michael first, then come and connect with me and (laughs) start engaging and sharing some of the cool stories of impact and influence that are happening. We're going to hop right into it. Michael, my first question for you is a classic on the Secret Sauce podcast. I can't go without asking it. If you had to choose just one sauce off the menu, there's so many good ones. But if you had to pick one that you could have for the rest of your life, you're not allowed to have any of the others. You just get the one. Which one are you going with? Mine is Honey Roasted Barbecue. I will eat it with my fries, my nuggets, spicy sandwich, anything under the sun. It'll be Honey Roasted Barbecue. I am still holding out for Chick-fil-A to get me a big bottle for everything they're doing with. I think it'll be their number one seller even more than Chick-fil-A. So honey rusted barbecue without a shadow of a doubt. You can't argue with versatility. I mean, if it can go <laughs> on everything, it's a it's a really easy choice to make. I'll sign the petition letter too. If, if you're making a petition letter to get it in a bottle to there get we it on go. shelves, then I'll sign I'll call it. Andrew right after this. <laughs> get him on the phone. We've got some serious content to unpack today. Like I I mentioned the five Mm -hmm. nuggets of wisdom and we're going to go through all of them, but I want to start with one that may be most valuable to you, Michael. I don't know if one specifically stands out out of the five that you're like, man, if I can only communicate this one to the audience today, this is the one that I would tell them. Is there one out of the five that specifically hits closer to home for you? Definitely. First of all, thank you for letting me come on today. I think it's when I think about your question that I'm answering, it actually boils down to the third one that I put on there. And 
For me, I love developing leaders. Whether you're talking about somebody who it's their first job and I'm just developing them to lead themselves better and show up on time or they're a director in our organization. Uh, I just, I love it. That's what charges me. That what That's what gets me out of the bed at 2 a.m. some days because I get a phone call because we have a leaky pipe. But to answer your question, I put the tagline to when you're developing somebody to strive not to create a carbon copy of yourself, but to strive to make the best version of the person that you're talking with. If I'm going to be honest with you, I struggled with that when I was early in leadership. I was like, you know what? I've been in Chick-fil-A for a long time. I know how to sell a chicken sandwich. Let me show you how to be a carbon copy of Michael so you can be successful. And as I've gone through the short time that I've been able to be with Chick-fil-A, I've just realized, you know what, Josh? That's a very arrogant mindset, if I'm going to be honest with you, that I know what's best. I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But what I've found is that each and every person that we hire is amazing in their own way and that we can just strive to formulate them into the the best versions of themselves. What goals do they have? What goals do they want to accomplish? What's the best way they like to go about things? So I mentioned this a few times in the post, but my two big things are eat the meat and leave the bone. That whenever I'm talking to somebody, you take what's beneficial and you throw away what's left. I can only tell you what I've used in the past what's worked for me, my wisdom, my insight, my experience, whatever that is, but you have to take whatever's beneficial for you. So that's the first one. The second one is this is descriptive, not prescriptive. I'm describing what I did. I'm not prescribing what you should do. Easier said than done at times. You mentioned- (laughs) Amen to that. It's prideful, but it's hard once you've stepped into this position to not go, oh, here's how I saw success. So here's how I want to help them succeed you're coming from a place of care. Like you want them to succeed. It's just misguided because you're putting them into a Michael box or a Josh box. If I'm trying to make them a carbon copy of myself and they're not, they're not us. Mm. They're different. They're completely different. You mentioned a key phrase there, help them be the best version of themselves, which is so critical to keep them in mind and what they want to Mm -hmm. grow and become. Man, Mm descriptive versus prescriptive. I'm stealing that. It's so good. (laughs) Take it. I think I stole it from somebody. So take it. Well, I I really think it's so good because it, it gives them the freedom to innovate here. I'm, I want to give you some wisdom and share some of the experience that I've been through, but I also know that you may have a very unique way of doing things and there may be a way that's better I think that's important to mm. always be telling ourselves as a as a leader and say, there could be a better way, or I could be wrong is a good phrase also to use when you're Amen to that. when you're talking to some of those team members. So absolutely critical. Thank you for sharing that one specifically. As Michael's secret sauce, I know all of these are really a part mm. of your secret sauce, but that one even specifically, there's more nuggets here. And I want to get into some of the other ones that are on the list. There was one specifically that really stuck out to me. Because as leaders, we're preached systems, 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 get systems in place. But you have one of your nuggets that I read, Michael, was create opportunities, not systems, which sounds a little bit contradictory to the systems mindset that we're taught to have as as leaders to help scale things and provide structure. Mm. Could you explain what you mean by create opportunities, not systems, when you landed on that, that specific piece of wisdom? It's very similar to the first one in terms of 
I've been with Chick-fil-A a long time. And especially since I started off as a team member, I've done every single position in the restaurant. And I can go into my restaurant and say, okay, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this system will work. And I was getting to this point over the past 15 months where I was realizing that we weren't able to be as agile as I wanted us to be because every single thing was almost on this backlog as they were waiting for me to create the perfect system to roll something out. And I have a marketing background. So if I'm going to roll something out, it's going to be easy. It's going to be simplistic. It's going to have the visual identity standards of Chick-fil-A. It's going to have Apple crew and the right colors, and it's going to look gorgeous. So with that comes, it takes a little bit longer to roll these out. And I kept having my, one of my leaders came up to me the other day and was asking about a development plan. And I was like, awesome, that's great. But that's item number four on the list. And it really dawned on me when that leader was talking to me that my expectation is that I want development plans, that I want evaluations, that I want a system and a process to make sure that every single thing that we're doing throughout the day is getting accomplished. But why do I have to be the one to create that system? So I've really changed my mindset that I no longer create goals. I no longer create systems. It's my job to create expectations that, hey, my expectation or opportunity is that I need this accomplished. I want this level in our drive-through, a food safety score as a one, our CM scores to be 2% higher than they were the same month last year, whatever that expectation is. And then it's my job to help guide them, support them to roll these things out. But it's not to sit here and create every perfect system that is not what my role is. And I've found that my leaders have way more buy-in, that they're able to accomplish way more, way faster than I can. And it really frees me up to do what I love. And that's sit down and have conversations like this. I might be good at systems, but I don't enjoy rolling them out. And I definitely don't enjoy holding people accountable to them. So, (laughs) How much easier is it to hold somebody accountable to something that they create? It's so much easier Mm -hmm. if they're detailing this system and they've lined up all these things of how it's going to be successful to say, Hey, here are the things that you said needed to happen for this to be successful. Now you need to come in and and apply accountability from a much better place than saying, Hey, here's what I asked you to do. Here's why I wanted you to do it. It's, Hey, here's what you created. Mm -hmm. Here's how I want to help you succeed. It takes the focus off of uh, the leader and puts it on the team member. So you're building owners is what you're doing. You own what you Mm -hmm. create. You live in the house that you build. I mean, I can imagine that your leaders feel incredibly empowered and valued and trusted knowing that, man, Michael's given me these expectations of the level of excellence that we want to see in our business. But now I get the freedom to go and create what I think is going to be best for our team. They're going to run so much faster Mm -hmm. than they would if they were trying to operate with all of these constraints and under tons of pressure, trying to execute on a system that wasn't even their own. It's cool now seeing this theme of taking the spotlight off of yourself and putting it on the other person that's uh, flowing through these first two. And I think it could relate to this next one too, as you're talking about create the what and then find the who. Explain that one for us. Unpack that one. Yeah. I always have to give a little disclaimer because there's a very famous book by Simon Sinek, Finding Your Why. This guy has knows all this stuff about leadership and I'm very young. So I always have to d- give this disclaimer that 
has nothing to do with the book because he talks about all these whys and hows and whats and whatnot in his golden circle. So quick disclaimer. But when I say that, when you talk about finding the what, what I mean by that is the roles that we have within our organization, what do I want these individuals to accomplish? So if I have a director of operations or a director of talent, what do they need to do in order to be successful? And to create that guideline and that role clarity before I start looking at the team that I currently have and start matching them where they would go. So about three years ago, I was at my first location and that's what I did. I walked into the building. It was a transition. So it was a relocation opportunity and the entire leadership team was situated. Zero role role clarity. They just had a whole bunch of people that opened and closed the store. So I came in and I said, okay, team member number one, you're really good at this. Team member number two, you're really good at this. Team member three, you're really good at this. And I created roles based on what they were good at. And every time I had somebody leave the organization, it was like I had to redo the entire org chart. So finally got to this point where I decided to back up and say, you know what? We're going to figure out what is best for this organization long-term, what is scalable. And then if I don't have anybody to fill that role, okay, maybe we need to hire somebody externally or I need to own that role for a season until we can develop somebody. But I'm going to stop filling these roles with the leaders that I have right now. It was way more expensive and honestly, not a great way to run the organization that I was leading. So really had to back tune. It really helped me into the the location I'm in now, my second location. Uh, we just lost a director this week and being able to say, you know what? I don't have somebody to replace him. So I'm not going to because I'm not just going to make another director role based on somebody else's strength. I think about it from a sports perspective. Basketball was was my sport of choice growing up. And I imagine a coach putting a, putting a starting lineup in place based on the players that he has on the team already mm-hmm. and walking out there without a point guard and how detrimental that would be just to not have a critical position in place because you just didn't have anybody on the team that was designed to be a point guard that had the skill set to be a point guard mm-hmm. instead of going out and recruiting and finding that point guard that you need to help run the team. It would be like looking at your team and putting them in the positions based on the people that you have on your team and not thinking about the positions that you need to help the business be successful. All right. We got, we got two more that we need to get, we need to get into. And I think these last two are really cool. They're unique because they're more self leadership focused. What I mean by that is regardless of position that you're in, you could apply these next two. So even if you're not in a leadership role yet and you're listening right now, even if you don't have a leadership title, you're obviously still a leader, but you could apply these next two. And so unpack these next two for me, Michael. Yeah. So the first one is all about creating space. There are so many leadership books out there that talk about white space in your calendar. And for me, that has been game changer in terms of my own development. I consider myself a very creative person. I'm in my office right now and I have two different massive whiteboards that I love to fill up. I see my mind working best when I'm able to come over here and spend two hours and I have nothing on my agenda and I can just sit, process, and think. And it's crazy how ideas just start flowing when I have that white space. So I just got back from a vacation this week. So I think about all of the meetings that come when you take a week off and it's like, okay, that first week back, it's 
every single day is filled with getting caught up and meeting with people. And what I've found is that those weeks are my least productive weeks. So I've been able to get really effective and really prioritize chunks in my schedule where nothing is allowed to be in there. So whether I use that to come to my office and plan or simply walk around the restaurant, say hi to team members, get to know them. I have more team members on my staff that love talking about their cats than anything else, but that's what they love. That's what we talk about and building those relationships. It just helps me get that creativity going. So that's the first one is all about creating space and then doing the same thing with my directors is I force them to have space in their schedule where nothing is planned and they don't have to put a chicken sandwich in a bag. They don't have to submit a truck order, but they have time every single week and almost every single day to allow their mind to flourish because I have so many creatives on my team and that's what they enjoy. That's how they get buy-in and it's paid great dividends for them. You can want to create space as, as much as you can. But until you become very intentional about it and put it on the calendar, it's probably not going to happen because our schedules just get dictated if we're not intentional about them by the 1,000 different things that come up over the course of any given day. And so if you're not putting two hours on the calendar to have think time, then likely you're not going to have any think time if you're letting it happen by chance. I had a leader when I was in the leadership development program. His name was Clayton Dyson. And he used to always say this term that, Leaders can trip into success, but excellence is intentional. And that's really stuck with me that no matter what you're doing, whether it's putting two pickles on a bun, you're trying to win simple success four years in a row, or you want white space. If you want to be excellent in whatever you're doing, you have to be intentional about it. Some of the best leaders that I know too are really good at this. I mean, you think about Tim Tisopoulos, Mm -hmm. what he shared at this year's next conference about how he has these library days and He tells Mm -hmm. this story all the time, but he has days on his calendar where he just goes to the library and has an entire day of reading, thinking, and journaling. How important is that, right? If he's the Mm. executive of all of Chick-fil-A and he's making time for it, how much more should we also make time for it? I know Bill Gates was another Mm. one that had think weeks where he would go and like isolate himself in a cabin somewhere and just spend a whole week thinking who obviously arguably came up with some of the greatest ideas in in human history. So yeah, if you need some convincing to put some time on your calendar for white space <laughs> and thinking, there you go. All right. Last one. Let's, uh, let's knock this one out. So this one is where I get um, the most buzz. Most people talk through and that's, I put something zero distractions come at 4am. I am not a morning person by nature. <laughs> I will stay up late. And it used to be if, if it was before 8, 9 a.m., you wouldn't see Michael Harding. But what I've found is, especially when I, I got married, I had my first son, finding time to yourself is difficult. By the time you get home from work, you have dinner, you do bath time, you play with your kids, you talk with your wife, you get to bed like, the day's already gone. It's already 10 o'clock by that point. And don't even get me started if you want to watch one Netflix show or whatever. It just doesn't happen. So what we started doing as soon as we had, or right before we had Elijah, we started hearing all of these elite leaders, the Kobe Bryants and all these crazy people, The Rock, 
waking up at 3, 4 a.m. and getting out these amazing workouts or getting jobs done. And it really changed my mindset. And especially at my first location that I had, the store wasn't open that early in the morning. There was nothing going on. If the faucet was leaking, nobody was there to tell me that it was leaking. We would just go about the motions and I got so much stuff done. I was able to go to the gym every single day. I was able to spend time with the Lord every single day. And what I found is that, and I also got time to just talk with my wife in the morning. It was radical. We could pray in the morning. And what I found is that if I got those things done, I had way more white space. Because what I found is that spending time with the Lord, for instance, is really important to me. And if I didn't get time to do that in the morning, I would have to find one of my white space chunks of the day and dedicate it towards that. Or I wouldn't spend time with the Lord at all that day, or I wouldn't go to the gym at all that day. That's where I am able to get all of those important things knocked off my list. So I've, again, created space in my brain to do the things that I'm best at. And it's not weighed down by, oh, I missed the gym again, or oh, I didn't read my Bible today. I'm able to do those things that are important to me on the front end, prioritize them, and then do everything else that comes into my life. I don't think it's a coincidence that some of the most successful people all have this habit of waking up early to maximize that that morning time it's just so special because like you said there's no distractions like the rest of the world isn't humming yet to where you're getting 100 different text messages or somebody's calling about something that's happening in the restaurant or whatever it is you mentioned like kids is kind of what forced you to do that but it's also like kids mm-hmm. are what makes that so so difficult because they're like waking up in the night and yeah. <laughs> you're like justifying when that alarm goes off at four or 5 a.m. Like, oh, just another hour would feel so good because I woke up twice last night oh. to a, a time. And that's my book of excuses. I think you and I talked about it. I was really effective at my book of excuses of, oh, I only got seven hours and 30 minutes of sleep instead of my traditional eight hours. So I'm justified to sleep in today. Or, you know what? I've had a rough week. I've worked out four days in a row. Or I had a long day yesterday, I should sleep in. Um, Or my son got up at 3 a.m., so I shouldn't have to wake up. So all of those book of excuses, I was really good at finding them. But having that discipline of waking up every 4 a.m., it's hard. Even now, I have not become a natural person at doing it. And I still struggle some days getting out of bed. But I found that I am most productive when I wake up and my son still has another three hours to sleep. So... Mm what I've always found is that extra 30 minutes of sleep is far less valuable than the time that I would get That's good. physically exercising or in quiet time or in conversation with my spouse, because I know when my three kids get up, that's more difficult than ever with all the noise mm. that's happening. So I think that that's really, really important to our to our health. I think our health suffers, our our self-care suffers when we're not getting some of that time. And it's just difficult to happen, you know, yeah. in the craziness of the day. I've seen that take hold of my life. I would encourage anybody to to try to make that happen, whatever that looks like for you. It may not be 4 a.m. It may be mm-hmm. 5 a.m. I had somebody as I was making that shift into the morning mindset, they told me like just back your alarm clock up like 10 minutes mm-hmm. each day until you get mm-hmm. to the place where you feel like you have enough time in the morning to get the things that you want to get done done. So 
I do want to give you one more chance just to share anything else. If there's anything left in the tank, Michael, that you would communicate, think about the audience as you're thinking about this question too. We'll have certainly a lot of operators listening to this at different points in their career. They may be a year in, right? You think about one year in Michael as an operator, or you may have some directors yeah. out there that want to become operators one day that are pushing to grow themselves. As you're thinking about the audience, is there anything else that you would share with them? But, you know, maybe one thing that you want everybody to leave with today, what, what would that thing be? It's not all or nothing. I mean, if you would have given me this list of five things four years ago when I first started becoming an operator, I would have said, this is so unrealistic that I can't accomplish this right now. Especially at, at the age I'm at, I'm going to be an operator for years and years and years and years. And if you look at even that last one we just talked about, about waking up at 4 or 5 a.m., it might take you six months to be able to do that. And you back it up and you say, hey, I'm going to do that 21 days in a road trick and I'm going to wake up instead of seven, it's going to be 650. And I'm going to do that for 10 day, or 21 days. And then 21 days later, I'm going to do the 640 or whatever that is. It's not all or nothing. So being able to take small doses of each of these things and figure it out. Maybe your white space is only Monday from 2 to 2.37 in the afternoon. That's the only white space you can give up. Start there. Don't feel like you have to run a marathon. Just get off your couch and run to the stop sign and back and then do that twice next week. So that would be my biggest thing because at the end of the day, you look at all these, they kind of flow together and it's all about making sure that you are pouring into yourself to accomplish your goals and making sure that you are still growing as a leader and whether you are creating space in your schedule, creating space in your priorities or creating space in the way that you lead so that you can do those things you're passionate about. It's all, all, all about making sure that you are pouring into yourself and growing each and every day. So it's not all or nothing. Two to 2.37 was so specific, 37 minutes. I'm like, that must have happened at some point <laughs> in your in your life. It was like 37 minutes that of cherished time you had. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's easy to listen to a podcast like this and to hear all these things, like you said, Michael, and go, man, that seems absolutely undoable. And your encourage, encouragement mm -hmm. was really solid. Just pick one thing and take very small steps towards it. Don't feel like you have to back the alarm clock up two hours tomorrow. Take small steps to get to where you want to get to. So I know I'm leaving feeling really inspired and motivated. Michael, I appreciate you coming on and spending this time with us. I know so many people will get a lot of value from this, this conversation, this episode of the podcast. So, man, I really appreciate you. Of course. Let me know if there's anything else I can do for y'all. I love doing this stuff. Go find Michael. You obviously know how to connect with him in the Chick-fil-A world, but go find Michael on, on LinkedIn, connect with him. I know Michael's always open to answering any questions about these five nuggets that we've unpacked today. So we'll talk soon, Michael. Awesome. It was great talking with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Michael, for coming on and adding value to all of us. That last bit of wisdom that Michael shared, I can't stress how important it is. Don't let the optimal get in the way of what could be beneficial for you. I know I am probably the most guilty of this. Just because I can't wake up at 5 a.m. doesn't mean I shouldn't set my alarm 15 minutes earlier than I would have and use that small chunk of time to read or exercise for a little bit. Unfortunately, I fall into the trap of all or nothing when I should just start somewhere. 
my encouragement to you would be take a step toward one of the nuggets shared today, whatever that step is. If you enjoyed this episode, you should definitely go connect with Michael on LinkedIn. You'll thank me later. You're welcome where he's going to be putting out more content like this. His profile will actually be linked in the episode description below. Thank you so much for leaning in today. And most importantly, stay saucy. Stay saucy.